2: Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code
0: ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's Bombus.com slash ACAST, code ACAST.
1: On today's podcast, comedian and journalist Angela Froppier returns to discuss horror, starseeds, and happy the cow. My name is Justin Hamilton, and I identify as Otherworldly here on Big Squid. Hello, welcome to the latest episode of Big Squid. A slight change in plans with this episode was originally going to be the next Mission Impossible episode, where the fabulous Adam Richard and I have been uh, going over the Mission Impossible films. We put up the first one. This was meant to be Mission Impossible 2, the one set in Sydney that for some reason has... (laughs) so much going on it's such a mess of a film but it's a really fun podcast anyway this was meant to go up today but after doing this interview with Ange last night it felt like we were talking about some things that are in the news and it felt a little bit more relevant to get it up immediately and the Mission Impossible movies are evergreen so I will put that one up next week and we will get back on track with that then. But for today, we are listening to this really fun chat with Ange. She's one of my favourite guests, so I'm always pretty keen to get her uh, podcast up as soon as possible. A quick reminder about the two shows I'm performing at the Melbourne Comedy Festival on April 16th is Big Squid Live with guests Celia Pacola and Josh Earl joining me as we compete against each other to create the great Aussie movie list that's right we're going to go up against one another we're going to try to come up with the greatest list of Aussie movies that we can and then our audience will get to vote and you'll be able to vote as well if you're living elsewhere once it becomes a live podcast but that is all going down on the 16th and then on the 17th my award-winning return to stand-up comedy little victories is performing for one night only at the Melbourne Town Hall. As loyal listeners to Big Squid, you can access a discount on ticket purchases by using the code PODCAST. I'd love to see you in Melbourne if you can make it uh also for fans of my original podcast can you take this photo please i've been re-releasing old episodes on my patreon and this week uploaded a chat with will anderson from 10 years ago so this is just as he was about to embark on his first improvised shows and he's talking about what he's hoping to get out of them they don't even really have a name at this point because you now know them as what you're talking about will And they're some of his most popular live events. Uh, But this is right before. He doesn't even have a title for it yet. And you can hear him discussing uh, what the shows might be and what he's hoping for them to become. So to access this interview, there's uh, previous interviews also from that podcast with Tom Gleason and Ben Elwood, all from 2013. Uh, also, on the Patreon, you can uh, get just other bonus podcasts. There's a lot there. There's bigger discounts to live events and a whole lot of other stuff. So, head to patreon.com forward slash Justin Hamilton and you will find a tier that suits you. I will pop by at the end just to let you know what's happening for the rest of this week. But for now, let's bring in one of my favorite people in Ange Lafois-Pierre. I've deliberately held this back from you before you came in and it's all good. Don't panic.
2: No, this sounds terrible. I'm leaving. No, no, no. It's all good. Tell me now.
1: It's all based on something that you sent me Okay. that I only got to last week and I knew we were catching up so I didn't bother to reply until I saw you, which was the article you sent me, why did the Beatles get so many bad reviews? (laughs) And uh, it was pretty fascinating actually reading uh, the New York Times just – Getting stuck into Sergeant Pepper's, uh, where they uh, uh, Richard Goldstein uh, said, like an overattended child, Sergeant Pepper is spoiled, reeks of horns and harps, harmon- <laughs> harmonica quartets, assorted animal noises, and a ninety-one piece orchestra. He mocks the lyrics as dismal and dull, and above all, the album full- fails due to an obsession with production coupled with a surprising shoddiness in composition. The Floor doesn't just destroy the occasional song, but permeates the entire album. <laughs> yeah, see, that's always been my take.
2: And it's unpopular now, but I stick with it.
1: I do? Is, no, do you- no, I love that. <laughs> I love, no, you, know I love, you know I love the Beatles.
2: You know, there, there was a chat that we had where I had uh, been listening, re listening, revisiting a lot of the Beatles. Um, you know, pretty late at night in during second lockdown, I think it was mm-hmm. in Sydney, and had really listened to some lyrics that I hadn't considered closely since I was a child, which were pretty misogynistic. Right. And it had like this light bulb moment that a lot of people have had before me, and went like, "Hang on a tick, what? That's awful!" And then brought that to you. Yes. And so, but, and the mark of my love was the. Uh, the excesses of my devastation at hearing, you know, misogyny in the Beatles. So, right. you know, this was this was precisely why I sent it on to you because um, I think also, you know, it's not lost on me that we're two people who uh, have just come back from a comedy festival mm. uh, heading into more seasons. Uh, you do have to like, I think the price of getting a review in Australia at the moment is... Um, it's like, maybe like your left or your right arm, maybe both, you have to mail them to, um, an arts reviewer and then they may, they'll consider coming. Right. Um, and that's how it is. So it's not like, you know, I've been inundated with reviews that I disagree with. However, I think the part, the other reason I sent this to you was I think there's something I think there's, there isn't a comedian in the world who doesn't, uh, enjoy you know, mocking – like, I don't know, reading about reviewers being really badly wrong, right? Right,
1: yes. Yeah, I get that. And uh, being kind of – having their finger off the pulse, essentially.
2: Yeah. Yeah. This idea that the emperor has uh, no clothes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, But isn't there a part of you that also wants a great reviewer to – Look at your work and discover all the layers and review layers that you didn't even know that you've added <laughs> to your work. That you can sit back project
2: and project some meaning that I never intended. Yeah, <laughs>
1: right. It's exciting.
2: No, it totally is. Of course, of course, I would love to be reviewed. I'm. I'm. Uh, any reviewers listening? Yeah, I would like. I'll take them. I'll take mm. good, bad reviews, whatever. At the moment, the arts, arts, um, the arts sector in journalism has been. You know, and let's, like, media was pretty badly hit by, uh, it was one of the sectors that has not at all really recovered from the pandemic, but arts uh, journalism has been particularly badly affected. Mm. And it was always hard to get a review in Australia if you weren't on uh, the telly, but it's very, very difficult now verging on impossible. Yeah. Um, and the same is actually true in the UK. So and this is I don't want at all this to turn into like a wine festival. I'm like no I'll look at my work but yeah I would love to be reviewed and I think a good, good good reviews you don't even care if the if the reviewer knows their stuff you don't care if they have a go at you about something because it's that's that's the actual tradition of arts criticism right it's like they'll tell you something that you need to know it's like working with a good director yeah like they will see something that you couldn't. See, yeah, you can tell how long it's been since I've had a review because I'm like, give me a bad one, yeah. I don't
1: care, <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready for it. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. If, uh, like, uh, back in the day when I was doing the Melbourne Comedy Festival all the time, if uh, reviewers like John Bailey or Dan Ziffer or people like oh, that, I know Dan. Yeah, 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 if, if, if they kind of pointed something out, I'd take it on board, yeah, because I also know that it comes with, uh, an idea of what I've done in the past as well. So totally,
2: yeah. When you get people who come back and have sort of started to get that at this point yeah. in my career, and that's nice. And they're like, and they can sort of talk about, it. yeah,
1: yeah. But um, I was lucky. I got a good review at the Adelaide Fringe, and I can't even remember what it was for. It might have been uh, the Gilded Puppet or the the Broken Chair or. It, the taffeta giraffe gazette <laughs> or i can't remember but it was a but nice for review for second
2: I thought these were like you know some they real, sound real some re- real no some real deep cut shows <laughs> that you've written that i've never i'm like when
1: did you do the taffeta giraffe Hammo and what was that about no, i just i was just about to say what the uh, what the uh, site was and i couldn't remember yeah. but you know it doesn't I matter i think what I, I i did
2: write an email to a producer at some point this during the Adelaide season being like, I will take horse and hound at this point. Like, send me yes. anyone. Yep. Like, I do not care. No disrespect to the good arts uh, crit- critics at horse and hound.
1: Yeah, they do a fantastic <laughs> job do with a good their job. equine reviews. Yeah. But the um, but it, it, it's interesting. I uh, So kind of one of the reasons I wanted to bring this up is that uh, getting a reviewer, what we fail to sort of um, – take into account sometimes is that you can get the wrong person for the job, mm. which, you know, you might just get someone who is from the real estate section or the Better Homes and Gardens section and they don't quite understand what's going on and can't discern between not finding something funny but realising that it is funny. Yeah. And then that's a that's a hard thing to get your head around. Yeah,
2: benching your subjectivity. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: but also you sometimes you can just be in the wrong mood. And you can just not be up for something. And th- the reason I bring that up is I have weirdly, over the last few days, I felt uh, pretty frustrated with a lot of things going on in my life, and I have turned to horror. I have been oh. right into horror the last few days. Oh, fantastic. And it's been um, normally, to be honest, I'm a. Bit of a pussy. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) But I have just been laughing hysterically at – I finally watched The Purge and I watched Uh X and I Uh thought they were both fantastic. Uh And It was an interesting thing and I wanted to discuss that with you of, oh, I'm feeling a bit frustrated and and kind of uh, put upon by the world and now I'm just sitting here watching horror movies and seem to be reacting in a way that I don't normally react.
2: Well, you know, I'm actually looking – at the genre at the moment mm. because we're doing a second season of Schmeidgeist mm-hmm. and one of the topics we're looking at is why horror is having this moment right, in the culture. And
1: yep. Sorry to interrupt. According to a friend of mine who's a producer, a mm. film producer, Michael Ponton, uh, horror movies do not do as well here in Australia as they do in the States where they go through the roof.
2: Interesting. Okay, I mean... Okay, a, a couple of things here. Mm. I think because we've been looking at the reason why horror is having a moment, uh and I think you know the pop pop psychology answer but also like genuinely the answer is that it is not like we don't actually want to watch we don't actually like really literally enjoy someone being hacked to pieces if it's a slasher film or like you know we enjoy the unreality of it and what yeah. we're what we're doing is is Experiencing our own very real visceral horror at something actually horrible in the world via a safe proxy, yeah, right. Like that's kind of—I mean, I've, I've mangled that, um, but you know, sorry to any psychologists listening, but like that is kind <laughs> of it. There, are, there are legions, I assume. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there's that's that's one thing, and I think um, the the I think they've broken all the instruments for measuring the 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 horror of daily life in u.s at the moment like i was reading a piece uh i think it was in the washington post when i woke up this morning just kind of cheer myself up and it was about these big um homelessness in like camps like small cities that have cropped up um which are of the size that you know people used to sort of mythologize in the in the depression era in the States and they've kind of grown to such a – because the, the welfare, the safety net doesn't really exist in the US or it, it's kind of, you know, there's some big, 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 big holes in it as we know. Uh, and so, you know, as the global downturn has hit there, people have just mo- – a whole bunch of people have slipped below the poverty line, not enough affordable housing, huge cities have cropped up and it's kind of like changing whole suburbs of the city. I think it was, uh, it was in – Arizona somewhere, Mm -hmm. this this camp that I was particularly reading about. And, like, neighbourhoods that had kind of been, you know, ordinary, I guess what you would call middle-class neighbourhoods where people didn't have much but they got by are essentially transformed. Like, there's been – like, there are bodies found in dumpsters and there's, like, you know, drugs being sold openly on the street. This is not at all to vilify – people um experiencing homelessness by the way either this is that you know social discord and you know these issues do tend to accompany people who are living in these desperate situations and and anyway as one example of the horror that infects daily life in america at the moment is it any surprise that they watch horror in greater numbers yeah um you know and that particularly gen Z, who who you know are kind of like doing the world for the first time they're going oh, this is awful. Yeah. Like, and so they are outperforming other demos in terms of how often, how much horror they consume. The other thing I would say about it is that horror is, um, it is becoming a broader church and like all the horror heads will are like, uh, it's pretty funny to go on some of the, I guess, fan communities online uh, and see, you know, how incensed people become about this stuff, you know, because people, there's a lot of policing that goes on. It's like, that's not horror. This is horror. This right. is like, you yeah. know, it's it's what's in, what's out. But there is a lot of hybrid horror going on at the moment. So depending on how your your friend, your producer friend is measuring it and, and you know, a lot of the kind of um, stats that we see, it might not look like horror is having much of a moment. But if you look at, take, for example, Wednesday, Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, part of the Adams Family franchise was this runaway success, like this record-breaking success on Netflix. I guess was towards the end of last year. Horror heads would say not horror. Yeah. Uh you know, if you want to be clinical about it, it's probably just horror adjacent. But
1: tween, tween goth,
2: tween goth. But yeah. there's like, but there's this sort of. I have um, seen it, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, you've got this protagonist who is. Um, you know, she's dressed as a goth, but she's also, like, she expresses this affinity for and preference for violence and hatred for, like, mm. the, you know, good and light things in the world, but that's sort of um, valorized in her. It's this, like, inversion of the usual – you know, you're familiar with the Adams Family. Yeah. So it's that. But it's, like, they didn't really mince words. Like, considering the audience and that it was a super mainstream product and a huge hit, they didn't uh, – you know, and, and like well-budgeted as well. I don't think it was like mm. su- a massive surprise that it was a hit. They expected it to be a hit. They budgeted it that way. It was marketed that way. It was like, you. I don't know. I just didn't see things like that necessarily being uh, as commonplace, like horror being horror on main. You mm. didn't see that um, like 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago when I was the sort of primary market for an, a cultural item like that yeah it just seems i mean stranger things is another example if you want to look at like examples of how it's just in the in the mainstream in a way that it just did not used to be and you know i don't think it takes a genius to go oh we're well we're horrified with the world and this is a proxy for that
1: well that's uh it's the same for sad movies and uh you know sometimes you want to experience sadness the best way to do it is (laughs) do it in a movie and uh Go in at 11 a.m., walk out at 1.30 p.m. and go, great.
2: Dust hands.
1: Yep, I can just move on. and Controlled explosion. Yep, it's out, of my, uh, it's out of my system now. Had a yeah. little cry. Feels yeah. great. That was, <laughs> that's how I got to the end of the bear. I got to the end of the bear and I was about seven or eight minutes from the end and I was like, oh, fuck, this is about to happen. <laughs> and I, I, was, I was wrapped because I don't cry that often. So I was like, fuck, here it comes. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. I just, whew, it felt good. Slept really well For the next couple of
2: nights I can't remember What the word is in French But there's like a French Phrase that specifically means Like ruined orgasm Like when When you're like You're on the brink And then it just like Goes when you're like Now it's never come It's gone forever I'll probably never come again And I feel like There is kind of We know There's that same equivalent For sneezing is there the same equivalent for crying? Be like, I'm about to have a bloody good cry. Oh, yeah. here it comes. Yeah. And then, you know, something dumb happens or like you, someone calls and you like, like, I was just about to let rip. Oh, I was just about to like, my eyes were going to be so red. I was going to like taste the salt. It oh, was. I was
1: going to have snot dribbling down my face. I was going to sob.
2: Yeah. Neighbors were going to be concerned. Yeah. It's going
1: to roll around in my own shit. I was just really <laughs> going to go for it. It's <laughs> really going to You ruined it. it. You yeah. ruined it. Thanks, Arnie. Heather. Yeah. No. Uh, so, but so the interesting thing was, but Michael, uh, the uh, my producer friend was, he was talking about horror in Australia. Yeah. Like it's not as big as deal here. Yeah. And because um,
2: yeah, we because we have, uh, you know, uh, we uh, more of us live above the poverty line, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's fascinating. Yeah. And it also makes me wonder if anyone's really like. Don't get me wrong people are going through hard times, but uh, people really looking around on top of those hard times and seeing, you know, what's happening in the waters around us and what's happening abroad and, yeah, uh, you know. like
2: I mean, I guess there are also really specific, like the gun, I mean, you know, gun violence in America puts the fear in people in a way that like, so maybe, like I think there are multiple inputs the like existential dread that Americans feel, yeah. That may not be this may not be reflective of, like, although I don't know, are we, are Australians maybe? I mean, because there is this story that Australia tells about itself, which may be relevant here, which is that we are, you know, a bit disengaged, maybe, and a little bit like shrug, you know, like, you know, that the thing about how, you know, you it's very easy to get the French to riot, like, mm. if you know, there are 10 times in the last decade when the French, like, cars would have been set alight if this mm. was Paris. But yeah. <laughs> Australians are just like, oh, I'll give them another, t- you know, three years, maybe they'll turn it around. Like, you right. know, we don't, we're just not that fussed. We're yeah. just like, have our say at the ballot box and that's kind of
1: well, We We are talking about this after, how many was it, uh, 13 people decided to march in Victoria uh, against, yeah. uh, uh, what was it? Uh Anti-transsexual. Uh so there
2: was a, there was an anti-trans protest, yes. which was led by, um, uh, well, a notorious British uh, activist who had announced a tour here, right? Um, and then the whole
1: thing got fucking tour
2: crashed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Everyone that guy needs
1: it. a fucking bad review. Yeah. That's what he needs.
2: as a, as a woman, and everything is of the, um, the 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 the. The TERF variety, um, if you will. Um, is this a f- acronym? You're familiar with this acronym? Uh, I don't think Maybe, I am. So trans-exclusionally it's, – it's a bit of a slur, right. um, you know, which they would know about. It, TERF stands for trans-exclusionary exclusionary radical feminist. So oh, it's right. kind of like a bunch of second-wave and some third-wave feminists as well, yep. um, you know, typically Gen X and, and older um, who don't see – trans women Uh, as real women and some of them have, you know, J.K. Rowling being another example and, um, you know, campaigning about bathroom laws and things like that, you know, really just an excuse to, um, yeah, it's just, it's trans hate dressed up as Mm. other other, um, rational arguments uh, in my humble opinion. Uh, But yeah, it became this magnet for, Everyone with a cause in Australia, so you had Nazis turning out and I, mean, I don't know anyone, you know, people would not have missed this story um, and now that's going to be, you know, the, the SIG Heil is going to be banned in Victoria mm. um, and you had – you, you had a little bit late. Anti-vaccine. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I also read a news article this week that they've just cured the plague. They've worked out how to cure the plague, so it's never too late, is oh. it? Okay. Uh so <laughs> well, there were one from ten sixty six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean oh. it's been around since then, but like right. the last time it really um, you know, it, it was a middle ages, you know, you bring out your dead, yep. you know. Uh so they've cured that, so that's good. Um Is so that you know, really all the rats are dead? What's we're that? on a small yeah, I get I, yeah. <laughs> we're on a we're on a pretty quick turnaround for banning the uh Zicline Australia. I think, you know, give it another I take it back. Give it another Yeah, so that's embarrassing for you, isn't it? I know, no, on uh, my podcast too. And then uh <laughs> I guess my f- my social media feeds have really been full of uh, a lot of pretty angry people in the queer community who uh, either went turned out to p- counter protest mm. um, or they knew people who'd done that and then kind of got you know pepper sprayed by the, oh, no. by the cops right um, and you know experienced what they would call police brutality. Um, haven't seen the footage myself. Uh, but you know, this all went on while, uh, you know, a bunch of literal Nazis were sigiling till their heart's content. Right. Uh, and people were being pepper for saying, no, like trans, trans rights are human rights. Right. Um, albeit in a very full throated way. Wow. Yeah.
1: Isn't everything fun? And
2: yeah, so there you go. There's that.
1: Well, that's what. That's exactly – by the Did way – Is that what you want? Well, I, you know what was funny was I was reading that article uh, on The Age yesterday and I was looking at the guys just going, you fucking losers. Like I just was so dismissive of them, you know, walking around in their fucking little black baseball caps. The Nazis caps. in particular. Yeah, and yeah. they were wearing base, black baseball caps and black – t-shirts and black shorts and one of them had a beard and i was just like i was so fucking angry and dismissive and making fun of him and then i went to the bathroom and while i was washing my hands i looked up oh, and i was wearing yourself, a black hat uh, black t-shirt black shorts and i was like motherfucker so anyway uh, if <laughs> so anyone would like get a new look <laughs> i know so I'm, I'm gonna buy some burnt orange uh, t-shirts i'm gonna get some big okanui <laughs> throwback shorts and that's why i'm changing my look <laughs>
2: Well, yeah, I am... Um, I really
1: hated Nazis before, but once they ruined what I like to wear, now, now yeah, I'm activated. Now,
2: well, you know, <laughs> and better late than never. Yeah, uh, the plague. I, I read the... I I actually read the Nazi handbook. Oh, yeah. Because I... So, it got leaked, right?
1: Right. And... What kind of font do they use? Uh, is, it, is it aggressive?
2: Just Comic Sans. Just... <laughs> Way through, because uh, they because they're trying to you know they're sort of trying to repel uh, people like you and me I guess that I right. want, you know well, so. come
1: make sense will do it
2: yeah <laughs> nearly worked and I'm like hang on a second no I'm going to read this because I wanted to understand particularly their media tactics because mm, I was yep. proposing a piece of research to basically work out how the media could avoid playing into Nazi tactics mm, Yep. which I think you know we really fucked up right this week um in a few ways and there's no perfect solution to this because like never not you know just not reporting it when they go and do something insane and fucked like you know that in public is doesn't seem like a great solution either but also this is kind of it's it's to their script mm. the way that it it really played out right ah uh, Anyway, yeah, they got a uniform. They recommend like certain brands of sneakers. They're very, very. Who would have thought it? Those fascists—they're really controlling about what you do and right. don't wear. If you want to be in their little club, yeah, you gotta wear like a really specific thing. So it's true. Yeah. You never see
1: a Nazi in a Hawaiian shirt just sitting no. back. You know, I once saw one on the beach, actually. A Nazi on the beach?
2: Yeah, I saw it, which was freaked me right out. I was like, I was. At, Because he was having quite a nice
1: time. I'm like, what's going on? This sounds like a Butthole Surfers song. Like, what is happening here? (laughs) I don't
2: know that Butthole Surfers song, but it was, yeah, it was quite, you know, people overuse surreal, but it was quite, it was literally surreal. I was at Coogee Beach. Yeah, It must have been about six years ago. And uh, I was was looking at the guy and he couldn't have been more than like a meter and a half in front of me. Like they were Mm. the next people in front of me on the beach Mm. and he was there with, uh, I guess like a woman, maybe his partner, and they were there with this young kid, mm. possibly their son, couldn't have been more than six. Oh, and I was like, whoa! And I was there with my partner at the time, and I saw that I saw the guy, and he was like covered in tattoos and like heaps of tattoos. And I was like, huh? I wonder if he knows that those two little zigzags. Like he's obviously just—is it the Ford Falcon? It's like one of those. Oh yeah. no, one of the yeah. car, one of the car, yeah. cars. It's a, no, maybe it's a Commodore. Anyway, it doesn't matter. There's like a car that has a symbol that looks like the SS right. symbol. And I looked at him immediately first first in the first place mistook him for uh, like a like a petrol head, right? I'm like, right. "Oh, this guy just loves the hell out of Commodores or something." And like, "Oh, someone should really tell him that that looks heaps like a Nazi tattoo. Right. And then my eyes tracked up his body and saw, like, a falcon perched on a swastika. And I was like, oh, no, I think he knows. Yeah, right. He's a crosser. Yeah, I think he knows. I think he's, like, I think he's... You know what? Yeah. Even
1: Nazis need vitamin D. Why yeah. not go to the beach, right?
2: Yeah. I get. Well, <laughs> I, I can think of some reasons. Uh, but, like, I... I flipped out because like I immediately projected into this man's mind. I'm like, how is he having conversations with his son? Like, is he yeah. shy? Does he ever get self-conscious when he takes his shirt off at his beach? Does he go like, oh, no. What if the Antifa's here to bash me? Oh, yeah, no. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just like, it was just a bizarre situation to see someone who, to see a Nazi having a, like, a nice day out and an ice cream Yeah. at Coogee. Yeah. And it blew my mind and I've never really
1: gotten over it. I hope that young boy has grown up and is rebelling against his parents by being a soy eater.
2: Yeah, I'm sure. Just no being lovely. Enough. Yeah. You you a, can't soy, t- a
1: soy eater? A blue-haired soy yeah, eater. Yeah, yeah. You can't tell me to follow you, Dad. I'm going <laughs> to love everything. I am going to watch Francis Ha and I'm going to love it. <laughs> I'm going to a bush doof.
2: See you later, Dad.
1: <laughs> yeah. So – uh so you know your one of your shows revolves around a horror theme. That's why that was one of the other reasons I wanted to yes. bring it up. And uh, yeah, it, it hasn't just been X or The Purge. I've, I've watched Barbarian. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been on a roll. And, yeah, uh, and I've been uh, once again I've been really enjoying them. And I, how's how's the horror show been playing out?
2: Yeah, great. Um, I do. It's like invaded my dreams. I don't know if you ever have, you, when you have a show that gets so in your head that, yeah. you, that it invades your dreams. And so I'm doing uh, a show about The Exorcist where I retell and retell and retell The Exorcist mm. uh, and kind of gay it up a bit in the process. Yeah. Um, I, here's the thing. Here's how bad I am with horror films. Yep. I haven't been able to bring myself To watch it start to finish.
1: The Exorcist.
2: Not since I first watched it, which was probably like, I don't know, 15 years ago or something. Right. And so I've been, I've written a whole show about The Exorcist from uh, reading the screenplay a bunch. Right. And (laughs) watching the odd clip. Yeah. Um, And... And re- like reading a lot as well about mm, like a lot yeah. of you know I I because I, I was I'm you know as a journalist from a be- being from a journalism background just so terrified of being, uh, like inaccurate somehow yeah. or like and and which is I don't think people are like necessarily coming to comedy shows with that same level of scrutiny but I am because I'm like conditioned like just twitchy about it right and uh yeah so I've been I've been. I've been reading the screenplay a lot for The Exorcist, which is like, you know, if you're bad with horror, but you want to, can I recommend it yeah. as a method for for imbibing horror? Right. Um, and and it, and it makes it a lot more heightened. Like every time, like I, I'm, I've now sort of like hypersensitized myself to it. So when I go to watch it, I just get like, oh, I can't, oh, I can't look, I can't because <laughs> right. I know it's going to happen yeah. as well and so that's almost worse than not knowing Right. because then you're like, oh, and now's the bit where, you know, and the, the noises start in the, in the ceiling and, oh. Yeah. Um, and but that because of the like potency of that film, that was exactly why I wanted to do it and be like and sort of like strip it for parts almost. Yeah. And like so I like splice it with all this other cinema history like there's like, I don't know, there's, like, a lot of, weirdly, a lot of, like, Austin Powers in there. Like, I sort of splice the films at times. <laughs> right. And, like, The Matrix. Yeah. Uh, and so it's all quite dreamlike anyway. Yeah. And, like, I slip in and out of The Matrix plot. Uh, sorry, The Exorcist plot. Right. Um, Over the course of the show. And, yeah, I don't know. It, it, if people have come and been, like, I was in s- – it. maybe there's been, like, some the some – Total fans of The Exorcist who've been horror- horrified in the way that you're not meant to be horrified. Right, yeah. But I haven't heard from any of them, so, yeah.
1: Well, I'm loving it. They're at home getting their bazuzu dolls ready to uh, send you to hell. But yeah. the, uh, uh, so I have a weird history with The Exorcist. I'd uh, I'd heard all about The Exorcist for a long time because it was the last horror movie that my mum – Went and saw of her own accord, mm, and she. And then she didn't want to see any more. Well, she saw it at the cinema, and this is back in the, when it first came out. And she was so terrified as a, as a young mother, she slept with the light on for three weeks, and has told me that if my face had looked anything slightly green, or if any slight light had <laughs> turned up in my eyes, <laughs> it would have just been she like killed you no, 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 no. She wouldn't have killed heart. me. She just would have left. She, she would just have, would have oh, well, packed her bags and left. Wow. She was ready to go. And
2: she volunteered this information. You didn't, like, have to hold her feet to the fire to get it out of her. by the sound. No, no, this no, had no. the feel of a confession that just no. came tumbling out. This was no. something that was unsolicited, an unsolicited confession, if you will.
1: My mum is uh, a very honest woman. And uh, <laughs> she told me that at a young age. But that was, I think it was more, I, I think the reason for telling me was, I don't like horror movies and this is why I got so scared with that. I would have, you know, she just doesn't like being scared. So then it took me ages to finally see it. And uh, the way I saw it for the first time was at the cinema. So they did a re-release of it. And I went and saw it. Went along with a friend of mine who is Catholic or lapsed Catholic at the time. Uh. And there were (laughs) the creepiest thing that happened in the cinema was hearing him reciting the – the bits of Catholicism that the priest is saying on, on the screen. Well, just, extremely
2: creepy choice of your friend to, to, to say it out loud. Just
1: well, but, well. but he, he he caught himself. Like oh, he didn't realise...
2: Oh, oh, he was involuntary. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. So he did, It wasn't like he
1: was yeah. sitting there going, oh, here's our Rocky Horror Picture Show moment in The Exorcist. Yes. Let's throw rice right. at yeah, the, pa- yeah, yeah, at yeah, the sure. screen. It was it, because he, even though he was lapsed, he'd been brought up a Catholic and it just kind of came out well, of him I'm, and then he... Yeah got the shakes from realising that was happening, which then creeped me out even more.
2: Massively. I'm I'm ex-Christian and if I hear, like, you know, the special little set of words, you know, if it's – because, you know, I've sort of flipped around to a few different denominations but lots of Ang- time in the Anglican Church, sometime in the Catholic Church, mm. um, you know, be, been out for like a good, I don't know, 15 years now mm. but it's – uh, yeah, if I hear my if I hear my trigger word, I'm off. Yeah, I'm racing. I could still do, you know. There's still just it's still just muscle memory. It's like lyrics to songs. It's just yeah. there. You know, you can just access it. But m- funny you mentioned your mum about The Exorcist because it is the only film I reckon my dad's ever raised with me and been like, basically like he'd get this real serious look on his face and be like, you know, it's that's not, it's not playing. Like you don't and this was always the advice like this was one of my earliest pieces of advice from my my dad that really (laughs) stuck was like you do not touch a Ouija board. To this day I'm pretty certain I have to check but I'm pretty certain he reckons that you can get possessed from a Ouija board. Right. And that's just a thing that he believes. And I think that's something that happened to a lot of people in his gener- – just in their generation yeah. where it was yeah. like they just – they just it, the film was so impactful because it was like – it was groundbreaking, right? Yeah. And it – it just scared the like people. Did people, people passed out. That's what it was famous yeah. for. Like people passed out in the cinemas. Yeah. It got banned in certain places. It just broke the mold. Yeah, and my father. It still. It's changed him forever. That is a film that has literally changed him and his worldview and basically his, like, threat assessment and his understanding of the supernatural forever. Yeah. Like, what other film has had that impact culturally?
1: It's uh, pretty amazing to uh, think about, uh, especially because sometimes I hear criticisms of of uh, younger moviegoers now who say, oh, it's really slow and it's it, it takes a long time before anything happens. But I think that's kind of missing the power of it, which mm. is it's so normal mm. like it's so normal for so long mm. and it's so kind of grounded like like if you if, if you took the Ouija board part out, yeah it would be like, oh God, what's wrong with this little girl like it could easily be you know a story about a mum with a psychologically disturbed child you know
2: totally and i mean you know that's the thing like horror you know the, i love the kind of map of people trying to work out what certain kinds of horror are about like yeah. um you know vampiric horror is about you know being queer that's like a that's a major kind of key interpretation of it and uh you know i think the last of us is a really good example of that you know that's about well that was about a few things it was about climate change was about mm. yeah. um, it was about pandemic yeah um it's about capitalism yep Very much about capitalism, like the whole zombie genre. Yeah. Um, And, you know, and then there's this other corner of horror that is kind of about, yeah, it is about illness and it's about mental illness and body horror and, uh, yeah, of course.
1: Uh, Last of Us, I also watched that as well, which I was – uh, not really interested in watching to begin with because it just didn't. Re- I don't play video games. Uh, it oh, zombie yeah, stuff doesn't really appeal you came to around, me. Obviously. Well, because it was like, well, it's HBO. It's the guy who uh, did uh, Chernobyl. Another. Yeah. You know, real Absolutely. life but horror series mm. and um, Craig Mason and then uh, Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey. Yeah, I thought, yeah. oh, I like both of them as actors. Well, you know what? I'll give it a go and then. I thought it was fantastic.
2: Yeah. I haven't been that stressed out watching a TV show in a very long time. Right. Um, Well,
1: judicious use of the zombie side of things. And also I was trying to – a friend of mine didn't want to watch it and said they'd been burned by The Walking Dead. I said The the Walking Dead is your local club basketball and this is the NBA. Like, you know, there's, there's setups like. There's one episode where they end up in a in a city mm. and you go, "Oh, well, I guess they'll be here for a few days. Mm. No, one episode. Yep. They were there. They moved on. Great.
2: And I love that they had the restraint to leave, yeah, as you say, like leave zombies out of some episodes. It was like let's just make it about the human drama. It didn't have to yep. always be one note. Interestingly as well, talking about the pace that people, you know, bitch about with, with The Exorcist, um, you know, maybe younger viewers, uh, people also complained bitterly about the pace in The Last of Us. Right. There was there Did was they? kind of a meme online. It was like a it was just this frequent enough complaint that it was like memeified that people yeah, they were like, you know, it, like the joke was basically like the things I would do to advance the plot right. to the, the Last of Us because I'm that like fucking desperate for something to happen. Like oh, it, right. just let let something happen. Uh, I think, you know, that's a weird complaint because I, th- I think people sometimes say they're bored to cover for the fact that they're just incredibly stressed and they want resolution. Right. Like in a show yep. like that, like actually what you want is like you just can't bear like, like the, oh my God, what's going to happen? And it is slow, but that is its strength. It's tension. Yeah. It's not a lack of action. It's almost too much. There's too much going on and you feel right. overwhelmed or something I did anyway.
1: I'm You know, as I get older, one of the things that I realise is that I'm way out of touch. I would have been just. very happy for a whole episode of them being friends, hanging out (laughs) and, like, eating and just sharing some stories. Like, I was fine with that.
2: Yeah. One thing I really admired about that (laughs) show, because, you know, like, obviously, you know, it it is somewhat a misery parade. Mm. But, um, again, the restraint. Like, that is more and more how I measure a good show is the restraint of writers. And you saw the same thing happening in Euphoria – uh, where the thing that you would expect to happen normally, mm. like the example I would use in Euphoria is, you know, when the the jock meets with, or maybe use the jock side, anyway, meets with like the trans girl down by the lake. And like, oh, no, no, this is where you get murdered. Like something mm. awful happens. But they just have a chat and then they go their separate ways. And yeah. it's like this really great, and because then, then you're totally wrong footed as well. And so the you know the the bad thing, the misery when it happens is so much more impactful. And I felt like that sh- the Last of Us did that really well as well. Where you know there were these moments where I'm like, oh, it, you know, we're about to like everyone's going to die. There's going to be something's going to come out of the shadows. Yeah, and it would actually just be eerily calm and quite yeah. nice for like the you know much longer than you would expect in a genre show like that normally.
1: It's uh, it's great when something subverts the expectations yeah. like that. Uh, yeah. Look, I'm not going to get this quite right because I haven't read it in a long time, but there was a comic book series by writer Grant Morrison uh, and a plethora of artists. And in one of the storylines, one of the main characters was a a shaman who is uh, a uh, Mm cross-dressing woman. Uh, So she's – I don't know how to talk about this properly. She's a a man, but she dresses as a woman. Yeah, she's
2: kind of like living as a woman. Yeah.
1: yeah. So – and there's a – There's an issue where they are out partying and she picks up a really hot, masculine, super masculine. Like
2: a heterosexual. Latino man. Right, gotcha.
1: And then the scene, she takes him back to the hotel. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's in a comic book, you know. And even though this this was Vertigo, your expectations is he's going to see her dick and... Not be able to cope and freak and, out, yeah, yeah. And he sees her dick and he's like, fucking rock and roll, yeah, let's go, let's go, yeah. And it was like one of those, it was just this, it was so quietly subversive that this is when comics, uh, this is when I was getting it issue by issue, so four to five weeks between issues. Mm. I reckon I was like three or four issues down the track before mm. I realized how subversive it was yeah. because it was just so normal that it was just, it was just like, ah oh, good work. And then it was like, Oh,
2: well, it also would have affected, like maybe part of the delay there is that like, it would have affected your trust relationship with the writers. Right. Mm. Cause then like, it's that wrong footed thing. You're like, literally anything could happen now. It's like the whole, the red, the red wedding thing or yes. like, you know, killing people. So, you know, they were just so trigger happy with people. Um, with main characters in in Game of Thrones and so it created this sense of actual proper chaos that more closely mimics something like what we experience in the real world Mm. where there are no guardrails and there is no, you know, innate moral justice Mm. and that's such a powerful, you know, position to have managed to get your show into if you're a writer. Yeah, Or, or yeah, in, in the case of a graphic novel or comic book, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I, I wish more things did that. They, were, they just, you know, it just took the uh, – in a way, it's a shortcut. You know, it's like sometimes if two characters just talk, you can cut out a whole storyline but you can actually open up something else in the process and, and go in a more interesting area. Like mm. how many times have you watched something and thought, God, I just wish someone would have a chat to each other. <laughs> They'd sort this out. Yeah Have a little talk Yeah Have a little catch up um, We uh, uh, You sent through some stuff as well And I don't want to miss out on that And so Oh sure This is just
2: the stuff that's that's been jumping off the page at me This, I've got a weird little patch of notes here
1: by the way It's great Well you sent through to me the The calf with the smiling face mark
2: Oh yeah I've, I haven't been able to stop thinking about this One cow <sighs>
1: Yeah, <laughs> with the big – And if I white. had a
2: dollar for every time, I'd – No. Um, so this this is a story that actually – it was on my birthday. It came out uh, last week. Uh, and it was a story about a calf. I guess it's, it's it says here the Holstein calf. I guess that's like a, a species thing, like a breed.
1: I guess, yeah. Uh,
2: and, you know, it's written in like this really hokey way, like sort of like classic – it, this could be a news article from 50 years ago, the way yeah. it's written. It's, like, really, like, you know, yuck, yuck, kind of. Uh, anyway, this cow was born with a smiley face on the side of its be- belly, yeah. right?
1: So, it's a, the, the, the belly is white and it's it's got uh, three black blotches, which are eyes and a nose and a yeah. smile.
2: sort of like, but kind of like not the world's most reassuring smiley face. Like, it's not like a... Do you know what I mean? It's not like a perfect graphic design. Like, have a nice day, smiley face, yeah, which is, has its own sort of sinister connotations. Yeah, you know, at the moment. it's like it's like a horror mask. It's, it's smiley a, face. Yeah,
1: if this cow turned, if this calf turned out, it was into Slipknot, you would not be surprised.
2: Fully, yeah, it looks like. Yeah, it's like the it, from the, was the guy with the skinny man who poisons the water with acid in Batman.
1: The Joker. No. Oh,
2: the, the red one, hood. No, he's like, he puts like hallucinogens in the water. Oh, so like
1: sorry. In the Batman. In sorry. the Batman. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Riddler. Yeah. All right. One of them. He used to be a psychoanalyst. Yeah. Anyway. I don't know. You've, I'll Ethan defer to you. I'll defer to your, to, to your expertise on uh, all things Batman. But like, it's like that mask, like the Hessian mask. Anyway, you get the idea. Creepy smiley face. And oh, Scarecrow, sorry. Scarecrow. yeah, yeah. Sorry, I,
1: I wasn't, you know, I was. I got overwhelmed because it turns out uh, I was just all of Batman's <laughs> villains at some point have poisoned the water in, in the comics true? or the cartoons or the movies or anything I and I got to, overwhelmed and I didn't know which one you were talking I about. I needed
2: to be way more specific and I had no idea. No, 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 right. no, no,
1: that wasn't your fault. I got overwhelmed with Decades of Batman knowledge.
2: Gotcha. Yeah. Well, it was impressive. Anyway, Thank you. uh we got there. Scarecrow. Yeah. So is that is that smiley face? But the the articles like And must have been hard not to crack a smile the morning this unusually marked cow was born. Megan and Barry Costa breed about seven hundred cars on and on. West Gippsland, this is happening. Uh and then it's like Sent a photo straight to his wife. I couldn't believe it. I actually zoomed in at first to make sure none of our workers had added some extra lines or anything. Couldn't believe it. Crazy things happened. And then we keep going and Happy, so – they've called him Happy.
1: Yeah, that's smart.
2: Happy's unique – yeah, that's not going to end badly. Happy's unique colouring means he's quickly become a star favourite. Despite being unlikely to join the the Costa's roster of stud bulls, he's found a new niche for himself – He's going to become a bit of a pet, Mrs. Costa said. A few of our workers are keen to have him as a pet and a lawnmower in their yards as well. Final quote. He'll be around for a while. Yeah. Like, so this just in case you've missed this, yeah. this cow, what, what's here, this punchline is that this cow, it, it's going to be allowed to live not necessarily for the natural duration of its life, for an indeterminate period because we see something that looks a little bit like our faces, the faces of our species in its side and that is why it is being allowed to continue to live.
1: Yep. Just, just for all you uh, beef eaters out there, one day you'll see – ph- have a look at this photo and one day know that you'll be fucking eating happy in a McCappy meal. That's what will be happening. <laughs>
2: but you know what I mean? Like, I I'd, am, I'd, don't get me wrong. I'd I respect them bi- more
1: if they called it McCappy.
2: Yeah, exactly. Well, that would at least be honest on some level. Do you know what I mean? Like, I am am a beef eater. Don't get me wrong. I'm not – this is not like a vegan tip. This is not me saying, like, you know, although you know, I have the utmost respect for vegans and I understand their argument. What I am saying, though, is like – this is a totally indecent game. Yes. Now the cows, the other cows are going to see this cow live yeah. and be like, quick, get the mud, right? like quick, get the paint or like what, what a psycho thing to like, I mean, I know they're probably not perceiving it and they're probably not planning. I'm anthropomorphizing again. Right. And it's only Monday, but like, you know, I guess I'm just like, what? It, it just seems utterly cruel. It seems crueler in many ways way more psychopathic than killing Happy and eating him in the first place rather than, like, creating this cruel fiction that there is a path out of this, like, destiny.
1: Well, it's 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 insane that this is a Happy Happy Joy Joy article <laughs> yes. that's going to end with <laughs> yes. Happy fucking served up alongside some carrots and some beans.
2: Maybe, but they're not going to tell him when. They're like... This totally like sinister. This like sort of Damocles ha- hanging over Happy's furry little neck. He'll be around for a while.
1: Well, maybe this will be the next step in evolution with animals, where they'll start. You know, suddenly animals will be born and they'll they'll have the markings of the farmer's daughter's face. Yeah, on there. Yeah, we're just gonna. We, we only.
2: Accept, we want the Virgin Mary, please. Like yeah. this will be, it'll be like coffee art. Like you know. Yeah. You know, you're sending back your latte if it doesn't yeah. have. A windmill on it, a yeah. photorealistic windmill. Like we need, we are gonna, we're gonna need more for these yeah. guys to survive.
1: Chicken breasts will just have like human embryos on them. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? It seems like a smart move. Oh, maybe this is what we're seeing.
2: Oh yeah, that's a
1: weird story. Oh, you you sent it to me, and I I immediately saw the photo and felt like I haven't awful feeling this isn't going where i want it to go and uh, i was correct i don't know where did you want it to go i wanted it to go somewhere where i don't know maybe where i, I was wanted less cross i or? wanted the i wanted the, the calf i wanted in a turn of events i wanted the calf to have killed everybody and was on the run yeah i
2: mean i would watch that film <laughs> i would watch that film like if the sequel to cocaine bear yeah. is cocaine calf oh yeah meth and calf and this calf goes on uh, like a rampage to avenge its yep. uh, ancestors and brethren, yep. then I'm there.
1: Yeah, Methcalf st- starring Laurie Metcalf. That would be uh, <laughs> where I would take that. It's a deep cut for all you Roseanne fans out there. Um, but anyway, did you see Cocaine Bear?
2: I watched the trailer and that was enough.
1: I went to a preview and I had a good time. I don't think it was any funnier than what you probably yeah. expect it to be this and that was thing. fine.
2: This is the thing. It's not that I was like, oh, this will be bad. It's that... I'm pretty sure all the like. Don't get me wrong. The trailer made me laugh. Oh, it yep. made me laugh. I'm like, I've made a scene in the office. I made a spectacle of myself. I yep. was, I was laughing. Oh, was I laughing? But I was like, I reckon I've, I reckon I would laugh the exact same amount in the cinema.
1: And I reckon there's more jokes than you would realize. But I don't think like I've heard some people say it's not funny enough, and I, I'm like, I reckon it's exactly as funny as you expect. Yeah, and seeing it. In an audience with a friend who uh, my mate was tired and, and had been stressed at work, and I'd been a bit stressed, and we had a good time.
2: We've talked about funny deaths before on yeah. this podcast because I've got an obsession with what makes a death funny. Yeah. What was it that made the deaths in Cocaine Bear funny?
1: Just <laughs> seeing people get ripped apart by a, a bear on cocaine. Is it the pointlessness of it? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Like, I just, I, well, probably, once again, it's not. It's horror adjacent, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's so, totally horror adjacent. So like, I think that's where my mood is, that I yeah. was just like, yeah, he's an arsehole, dead. Yeah, <laughs> that person's an arsehole, oh, dead.
2: So wait, they do they do moral justice in the cocaine bear universe where it's yeah. like the, the bear gets people who like no. need to get got? No they're, they're, no, they're just a bit annoying, dead. You know, that's, that's fine. That's a crime. That's crime enough for me.
1: Yeah. And can I give away know? something important about the ending? Yeah, go for it. Uh, the bear doesn't die. Great. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's great. That's I didn't fantastic. Wa- I didn't want the bear to die. I wanted the bear to stay hooked on coke and
2: yeah, murder I want, people. I I want, I want the bear to go into business. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I can't believe that it's based on that true story where they nicknamed the real bear Pablo es- Escobar <laughs> and they don't use that once in the movie. I thought,
2: I thought that was a gag that, they'd, no, that it's a it was true, based on a...
1: No, no, but the, uh, the fucking bear had a... You know what happens in the real world? What happens? Does all this cocaine and has a heart attack and drops dead. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a short film. It's not a full-length movie.
2: See, I would watch the sequel. I mean, equally, I would watch the sequel if the bear went to rehab. Right. And still had anger issues and then, like, it's still a horror. Like, everyone still dies. But it's yep. because the, the bear is now sober and yep. but it has a taste for blood. I don't know. I would see the that as well. The writes itself.
1: Yep. Uh, any other animals you want to see on drugs?
2: Um, I'd like to see happy on some antidepressants. Oh my God. Uh, I, I guess I think, I think giraffes would be pretty cute if they were sleepier. Like if they had like a sloth level of sleepiness. Goodness. But work, cause they've got like those big droopy necks and they've got, oh, a big, yeah. and they've got the eyelashes. Yeah. So if you, if they were like sleepy, then that would be real, that would be pretty cute.
1: Oh, yeah, Mooncake Giraffe, where yeah. a giraffe yeah. eats a whole lot of Mooncake and then we watch for 15 minutes while is he v- eventually gets <laughs> his head up to the top leaf yeah. on the moon, branch.
2: Is Mooncake, sorry, I feel like it's made me feel very uncool. Is that like weird? weird, weird. Edibles? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've never heard of that before. Yeah, uh, uh, I'm down.
1: W- w- no, no, no. I reckon it's old. <laughs> um, I reckon I've just <laughs> brought something out from 1978. Oh. Uh, yeah, Edible Giraffe. There you go. Yeah.
2: yeah edibles, giraffes on edibles. Mm, I'm serious. I am seriously considering your question. I'm you very seriously.
1: Meth duck, meth duck. Whole lot of ducks on meth.
2: I think it'd be terrifying because I think, yeah. um, in the same way that geese are terrifying, I would lo- I would, would like birds to be sedated, please. Oh yeah, because they're probably a little bit. You know, I absolutely want monkeys sedated because they're moving a bit. T- they're a bit kind of twitchy, and oh, then all yeah. of a sudden you're in a Thai zoo. Have if you it- seen Nope? Um, yes. That opening. Yeah. Wait! Oh, the yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: I reckon the opening is the scariest part of that film.
2: Yeah, it really Especially it sets a high bar, and then after that, the monster kind of.
1: I don't know how I feel about that film, and you know, so I love going to the movies by myself, and I, it's uh, it's one of the rare times I've walked out and gone, God damn it! I wish I'd seen this with someone because yeah, I needed it. to talk about it.
2: Yeah, and I guess all you know the the expectations were so high because of Get Out and...
1: Well, it's funny. I feel like I really enjoyed it and had a really good time. But I have also felt like I didn't really get it. And I felt like there was so much going on that it was like, oh, it's about this. Oh, no, I think it's about this. Actually, I think it's about both of those things. Hang on, what's this thing over here? Hang on a second. I wasn't expecting this layer. Jesus Christ, what is happening? Is this Jaws? Is this Close Encounters? What the fuck are they talking about? And I felt like it was... It overwhelmed me with all the ideas. Yeah. There, Almost it was, to incoherence. It was
2: overfull conceptually, yeah. but you forgave, or certainly I forgave a lot of it. Like the experience was enjoyable just because they looked much like they did with Get Out, built a horror film that didn't like look, feel, sound or taste like a horror film in Which, many ways. Right. And people just loved having that kind of like, kind of this blue chip sort of yeah. I, mean, I don't know it's a tv term but like this very like I don't know art forward yeah. offering yeah like this art forward thing that then was just like and ah oh, now there's some blood yeah you know? like people enjoyed that and I, I like that I was like oh it, that in itself was <laughs> exciting yeah that in itself was exciting yeah and to see character anyway yeah I could go on
1: but speaking of uh you know, forgiving, Mm. you sent me an article from goop.com.
2: So sorry. That's Um, all right. It's
1: the first time I've ever been on this page.
2: I went on to look at the famed Crystal Dildo's article, but this was the second time I'd ever been there because – I was in the market for some stone cold bullshit because right. you would sent me some stone cold bullshit. Yes, and I was <laughs> yes. trying to meet your stone cold bullshit with stone cold bullshit, maybe even raise it. And I think I did a better job, so I think I win. People could be the judge. would right. be the judge of this.
1: By the way, one of the reasons I've never gone to Goop is because I actually genuinely really enjoy Gwyneth Paltrow as an actor, and I've I've liked her in a lot of movies. And I also know that she is cocoa bananas, so that's yeah. why I. Try not to. Oh, you
2: used, you say that as well. I thought I was the only person in the world who said cuckoo bananas. Cocoa bananas. I, I say cuckoo bananas. I say cocoa. Wow. Well, okay. I guess you are wrong. Cuckoo cocoa cocoa.
1: <laughs> Back to the Beatles. Yeah. Um, I am the Eggman. Uh, yeah. So do you <laughs> want to? Uh, it's it's a,
2: well, okay. So my you tell me... you because I was responding to your insane thing that you sent me. So right. And I'd never heard of this before, so you start.
1: This is a brand new thing. Uh, So there's a new group of people on Earth who believe they're aliens and they're star people or star seeds and they're individuals who believe they have come to Earth from other dimensions to help heal the planet and guide humanity into the Golden Age, a period of great happiness, prosperity and achievement. And uh, that is insane and I would not be surprised if I am.
2: Yes. Wait, you are one? Yeah. Okay, here's the thing. I'm I, leaning into it. I read the like – because I'm like treating this thing like the DSM, right? I'm like, let's let's check this out. Am yep. I – do I – and I'm like – and reading it like the DSM, I am a starseed. I'm, I'm in so too. sorry, but I am a starseed. Whereas it's like there was there were a few things, but the thing that really sealed it for me was uh, – oh, yeah, you get overwhelmed by life. Hold on. There's that. Yes.
1: Uh the desire to explore and experience new cultures in new spheres. Recharged by spending time alone? What did Recharge I tell the, you? Yes. What did I just tell you before we started recording? I've just ca- spent a few days. Totally. Yeah. That's how I'm going and, to identify now. And
2: then they're like, oh, and you often have like some shit wrong with you, like maybe some autoimmune disorders. And I'm like, bingo. Yeah. I've, I've filled my bingo sheet. Yeah. I am starseed. Yeah. I've got poor eyesight. I've got, poor, I've got a few things. I've got some <laughs> yeah. I've survived bloody leukemia. I've got, you know... I got some. I'm medically interesting, which is not a thing you ever want to be. I've right. got like f- 14 doctors. I'm okay. I'm all right. No, I'm no, okay, no. but I've got yeah. 14 doctors. Yeah. and uh, you know, I'm a star. I'm a bloody star seed. Anyway, so I, are
1: you? Are you going to start identifying as that when uh, you have to fill out forms where it says male, female? No, I've run other? out of space.
2: I've already i filled I've filled the form already. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, there's okay. no room left. No, but I mean that would be fun. I I don't know. I think I am. I, I I've done a lot of. I am very fascinated by alternative spiritualities uh, and have looked into them before. And I think people have a much more – oh, God, now I'm about to defend the Starseed people. People have a much more complicated relationship with uh, alternative spiritualities than we sometimes give them credit for and they are actually not all that literal. Yep. i got to say this one does sound pretty off the map though. But, yeah, like, but, you know, for example, of the people who engage with astrology right and kind of are familiar with the law and the you know l-o-r-e law the the like you know how that whole system works and maybe even talk about it a bunch maybe even read their horoscope every day or you know semi-frequently maybe they even pay someone and go and like Mm. get told what to do once a year all but a very small fraction of those people are actually making decisions in their lives or being governed in any way by what Outsiders would classify as a belief system, right? You know, it. If if the star signs like you know, oh, don't don't you know, it's a bad week to get surgery. You know, almost everyone, except for a handful, it must be said, are giving that horoscope the finger and being like, absolutely, what? Of course, I'm getting surgery. Whereas, other kind of you know, capital R religions, people are going to go along with the advice in a right. more literal yep. way, which is actually kind of more bonkers potentially when you think about it like yeah. people's engagement with astrology is a lot more like choose your own adventure it, it doesn't insist on you know owning you and yes. it, you know every corner of your brain it's like you know duck in duck out we don't mind we're, we're very relaxed and I wonder starseeds does scan like it's part of that family of like new age religions, spiritualities maybe people are like I feel like I am symbolically a <laughs> star seed.
1: Like I'm totally into it.
2: I yeah. Anyway, I I read that and I was like, oh great. It reminded me a lot of the discourse around twin flames. Yes. Now, have you? Which is the group article
1: which yes. I sent you?
2: Now, have you had you come across this before?
1: No, okay. not at all.
2: Okay, so I I think people are a little bit wise to it now. There may even be a podcast along these lines, but it was one of those things that went pretty feral on the internet. It was something that you could, like, read about on message – like, you know, forums like Reddit and, and you know, people would talk about – and basically built this theory together about what it is. And it's this idea that a soul is split in two Mm -hmm. and, you know, resides in two separate bodies and then sometimes those people – are lucky enough to find each other and reconnect and it's an incredibly right. strong bond, you know, much in the way that you and I have where you know an ex- a great example. Right. Twin flames. Uh very different from a a soul Mate. A soulmate. Yes. Yeah, which is like so, you know, if you read the twin flame twin flame uh, theory, it's like Oh, it's different from that. We're different, especially. You can have many soulmates. Mm. Um, There's only one twin flame and not everyone's lucky enough to find it. And maybe they'll be like – maybe it's not romantic. It's just like this crazy connection and you can't look away. And it's like – and it's maybe it's like maybe you're 60 years apart. You mm. know, maybe it's not oh, like, yeah. you know, maybe it's really awkward and weird and, you know, and people won't understand and they're going to judge you. But like you're twin flames and you two will understand. and know. And then, and you know, magical things happen when you, when you're re- reunited, but it kind of got like, I don't know. I fell down the twin flame online rabbit hole and there was a whole lot of overlap surprise because it's like magical thinking, mm. a whole lot of overlap with, conspiracy theory world which may or may not be the case with the starseed universe but a lot of these like very online located um theories of spirituality yeah that have you know kind of lived in they've had their entire life cycle on the internet they didn't ever come from like a more a more terrestrial yeah um origin uh a bricks and mortar community if you will it was like that they came from message boards they often kind of are interwoven with and coexist with the mythology of some, like something like QAnon, for example, yeah. you know, that's like, that was an overlap. There was a whole lot of like, anyway.
1: I'm so angry at QAnon for many reasons, but <laughs> okay. mainly for being, making it very difficult to enjoy old episodes of the X-Files. Yeah. Oh, you know I hadn't mean? even thought of that. Yeah. Because like, like Fox Mulder was cool. It, and now he's not.
2: But was it? Okay, I re I I watched pretty much all of the X Files over a very long period of time. Yeah, but I was drunk for some of it, and so there are ho- holes. And I didn't. I don't know that I picked up everything. I don't remember there being lizard people. Were there lizard people? Was it was that like one of the plots? Uh, it might have
1: been one episode. There was a lot of seasons of the X Files, but there wasn't it wasn't like did.
2: one of the big overarching because like the no. central thing for QAnon, QAnon, yeah, is that they're
1: all. Lizard pit pit lizard people. It's the uh, it's the John Ronson dem scenario and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's such a um, you know because it was like once upon a time the, the the conspiracy theories were were fun. Yeah, you know, like the the face on Mars totally, or you know, all that kind of stuff. And and now it's like right, the right wing ruins everything. Can't can't we just enjoy? <laughs> that stuff no that's, this is your key quibble with Nazis is that they've ruined the expert well the, the, uh, my key, my key quibble with Nazis is that they dress like me yeah, yeah, all of a no, sudden and no, I'm, sorry yeah I'm <laughs> that was the number one concern now I'm wearing burnt orange t-shirts like yeah. this is a dis- and frankly
2: I'm, honestly you did look better in black ah so. oh,
1: man it's like it's there's, hard a, though there's a specific reason I wear black
2: <laughs> yeah because I'm out of uniform to begin with I've got the pink hair I can still wear my black clothes because yeah. no one's looking at me going oh, no, maybe a no. Nazi like if I'm yeah. a Nazi I'm pretty deep cover yeah. right now and failing yeah failing i mean i've got like i got like some <laughs> not suitable for work tattoos on my body naked ladies nazis don't like that kind of thing not the no. way that i have it i managed to get it on tv on national tv for the first time this week oh how'd you um, do that I mean, well i just wore a, a, a t-shirt with short enough sleeves right. um and so at seven thirty in the morning there was like a like a pretty intense kind of you know yeah what um, was this one this was on ABC Breakfast. Oh,
1: right. Was <laughs> it mentioned? Breakfast.
2: No, I just wanted to like, I just want to like put it in there for long enough and see if, see, you know, to see how long it takes for for someone to complain. Really? And do see. you think someone
1: will complain? Yeah. Oh, okay.
2: Yeah. I don't think they should be listened to.
1: No, no, no. But you but just want to see. I do want to see. You just want to.
2: I just want to f- I just the- want to see. I mean, I mean maybe they just wouldn't tell me as well because I'm not like I'm there as a guest rather than being on staff, but like
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, having yeah.
2: worked at the ABC for like a good 15 years that I can tell you for sure. In fact, you know, I hadn't even considered this. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. Yeah. They will they've already been flooded with complaints. Right. And I just wouldn't have known.
1: Right. Cuz they don't pass them on.
2: They wouldn't pass them on to me.
1: Yeah. What would they complain like that, that, that you had a nice lady tattoo. Like, well, you know she's oh, doing. So she is naked. She's really and but quite oh, you naked. You can like see she's, her. Yeah, vagina. she spread her legs. Actually, there. you know what? Yeah, I can see what's going on there. Yeah, <laughs> now that I look closer.
2: Yeah, it's and, quite. An intense. And people who and it's not sleazy, by the way. It's beautiful. No, 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 no. I she, want everyone to imagine she, like the most beautiful version of this that they possibly can. She looks like
1: she's sunbaking.
2: Yeah. Well, that was the premise. Oh, there yeah. you go. Yeah, and, and it's. I got my friend. My Maybe she's had friend, too much chili and she's she, rubbing her tummy. Yeah, she's rubbing her tummy, and she's
1: yeah. <laughs>
2: anyway, I put it on breakfast TV, and yeah. I'm going to keep doing that.
1: Yes. Yeah. Ah, if 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 you upset if whoever gets upset by that if you upset them I'm wrapped. Yeah, that's how this I is feel about I think, happy.
2: I think that's how it is. It's like it's sort of um. You know, forcibly applying the 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 filter yeah. as to who is going to enjoy you or not. Because you, I think, you kind of earlier in life, you know, particularly, you know, when you first sort of step out onto whether it's a stage or in front of a microphone in the media or whatever, you can get very caught up with, very preoccupied with needing to be liked by everyone in the audience, and mm. complaints and feedback really rattles you. And because that's how we're socialized, mm. we're socialized to want to please everyone, and that's a very healthy impulse because. You know, that's how uh, you know, we live in a society, et cetera, et cetera. However, yeah. you can't apply – you have to sort of um, uh, repress, suppress that uh, socialization in order to function if you want to have any version of public life and not only – learn to tolerate the fact that some people will dislike you, but relish it because it means you are not being so anodyne as to be pleasing to literally everyone. Like right. you know, the YouTube star, Mr. Beast, or yeah. like Carl Stefanovic, or, you know, whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if you look at yeah. the people who attract statistically, like, you know, the lowest number of complaints, mm. they're not making something or doing something that you would ever want to emulate. That right. you would be, that You would feel proud of making. And so taking steps towards that, even baby steps towards that, by trying to... Uh, you know, not offend, not even please, but mm. fail to offend mm. this the greatest number of people um, is a, is a ba- is that totally like it's an ass backwards way to go about things. Yeah, and so I have be- got to a point now where I I get excited when I find a filter that I think is going to you know weed out or filter out, if you will, um, you know the people who I'm like, well, you weren't for me anyway, and this is just gonna like get you off board yeah. nice and early yeah, so you don't continue to get upset with me and I have to hear about it.
1: One of the best things that can happen uh, when hanging out with someone uh, early on is when they say something so horrific that you just know, oh, I don't have to waste any more time on this uh, situation yeah. and then dropping the hammer down and then walking away from <sighs> that person.
2: Dan Savage is a he is a you know kind of relationship guru. People who don't know him, great podcast Savage Love. Uh, he is a huge advocate for, and no one ever dates this way, right? But like, getting all your weird shit on, the, like maybe even like your trauma or your kinks or like you know anything that's like is potentially going to be a deal breaker for mm. people later. Yeah, get it all out like super early, like right. uh, like uncomfortably early yeah because times you know we don't have heaps yeah. of it and uh and you know you get it's only going to get harder like a secret the longer it stays a secret that it becomes a lot harder to get out yes you know uh if it starts to feel like a secret and yeah i mean I've i guess i've kind of been in that position and now i'm sort of so you know i'm not yeah, I, but I'm, a, I'm an advocate for that. And, yeah, you want to know. You want to know that, you know, whether it's romantic or whether it's a friendship or, or a work thing, you know, you want to – or you're, it's like a job interview even. And like you want to sort of know what that person's going to be like. Yeah. Save yourself a world of trouble.
1: What's the uh, – we, we should uh, finish up, but let's finish on this. What's What would be the funniest thing – heading into a relationship with someone that you would – but but is also like it's serious, like it's a serious yeah, part yeah, of yeah, your personality. Yeah. But what would be the funniest thing to drop on someone to uh, let them know, hey, if you can't deal with this, then we're not going to make it?
2: The, you- probably, I think the thing <laughs> that has like upset a lot of people <laughs> and nowadays I would maybe think to announce it is that I – will stop listening maybe partway through a sentence very frequently and maybe start not just thinking about something else but talking about something else. And it's not – it's quite involuntary. I am working on it. I have ADHD. I'm being medicated now. Maybe it'll get better. Who yeah. can say? Who knows? Early days. <laughs> but a lot of – I do sometimes. Just they'll say something and I it's not gone in. So um, – and that – you know historically people don't love it right and sometimes are very engaged obviously mm. you know like we have great chats but um you know if you're if you're around me 100% of the time you might find me occasionally you know what looked and felt a lot like rude
1: right but I,
2: I'm, I'm not there's no malice behind it
1: well it- a- anyone becoming friends with you, in the- who might be listening to this, they should just know you just you just wait for you to stop talking about this new thing you've brought up, and you just go back to what you were talking <laughs> about before, and you don't even realize that you've moved back, and you're th- and you're in. That's fine. Yeah, don't take offence.
2: It's fine. You've you've developed the. You've cracked the code. That's how you. I want, I'm going to talk about the cow for as long as I'm going to talk about the cow and then one yeah. day I'll stop talking about the cow. And then we'll be on
1: to something else. And then else. we'll go back to whatever. Yeah. My, mine would be if if we go and experience something that I'm quite clearly loving and you don't like it, I don't need to hear your opinion. Don't share it with me. Really? Yeah.
2: Really? What if you don't like the thing?
1: That's different. <laughs> <laughs> that's a nightmare trait but let me come but let me come to it at my own but anyway like to be completely honest i would rather i'm now at a point in my life that i would rather experience the things i love by myself yeah and then i don't and then i don't have to put a classic starseed i am a starseed i'm from fucking you're a special boy i am i've come here to save everybody and i wish everyone would understand that good luck you've got your work cut out i know better get to work Mm. uh I was going to put up uh, our next Mission Impossible uh, podcast tomorrow, but instead I'm putting this up, which means this is going up on the 21st of March, and uh, you have shows coming up.
2: Oh, I so do. Yeah, I've got a bunch of shows happening in Melbourne as part of the Comedy Festival. I'll be doing Jazz or a Bucket of Blood, which is an, an absurd two, two-hander sketch with Jane Watt, where I want the show to be about a bucket of blood that I've put on stage and she wants to show to be about jazz. And that's <laughs> that show. And I, lo- I love it. It's maybe – it's one of my favourite things I've ever made. Because right. it's supremely dumb and we dress like little schoolboys and that's yep. – yeah, it's just that. Um, big, big gay energy. Um, and then the other one is <laughs> – the other one, my magnum opus – it's the show about the Exorcist. It's called mm. Your Mother Chucks Rocks and Shells. Um, head, heads will know what I am talking about, They'll yeah, get it straight away. And yeah, it's about insomnia and the Exorcist and trying to get to sleep. And the, like this show's quite it's a, it's constantly two AM in the show. So to give you a sense of like what you're what you're getting yourself into, the, it's two AM the whole time. Um, yeah, that's happening at the Butterfly Club during Melbourne International Comedy Festival. And I'm also doing seasons of both in Sydney, Sydney Comedy Festival. Um, uh, you can check the website for details. They're all about a month away. So hopefully, unless you're very busy and important, you've probably got some free time to come.
1: Yes, please go and check that out. I feel like I'm uh, I'm awake at 2am more than I'm not. Even if I go to bed early, I seem to wake up at 2am. and
2: Do you use... This is not, I was about to say, do you use weird corners of the internet, weird parts of the internet to help you get to sleep? And that a thousand percent sounds like I'm asking you about porn, but I, like not that, but like ASMR and like, you know, all that stuff?
1: Yeah. No, yeah. you know, uh, during lockdown, uh, the lockdown one, the best, like the original, the good one. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, I listened to Max Richter's album Sleep Every oh, Night. Oh, that's good. That did help.
2: Yeah, that's very good. And
1: uh, that is a very pleasing way to spend a night because even when I would wake up, I would hear, Ah Max Richter, and then I'd go back to sleep.
2: Another one for you to try. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's not totally uniform, so maybe, you know, depending on what people use. But I've found it quite good at times, Music for Psychedelic Therapy by John Hopkins. Okay, So it's, you know uh similar sort of like instrumental electronica yep. um, ambience, very uh, psychedelic but minimalist. Yep. Um, so I'd recommend that one as well. But yeah, the shows, it's like, it's kind of like about capturing that weird corner of the internet that is like trying to, trying to get you to sleep but doing so in the strangest possible ways. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Great. Uh, let's get you back on uh, after the Melbourne Comedy Festival hear how it all went. <laughs> Let's see if we can find out more about Happy and if he has become McHappy.
2: I can't. I'm
1: going to go and break Happy out. Next time you're, you're here, you're going to ask, what have I been up to? And I'm just going to point to my lounge and there's going to be Happy Watching TV.
2: And on look, that's honest at least, you know. That's honest. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Look, I'm, I'm not angry at all. It's fine. Ugh.
1: Well, I'm obsessed with it now as well. So thanks, Anne. Welcome. Thank you to Ange for joining me today. Make sure you check her shows out at the Melbourne and Sydney Comedy Festivals. Uh, no appearances in Sydney for me, but you'll be able to see me in Melbourne. Head to justinhamilton.com.au forward slash gigs for details to Big Squid Live and my solo show Little Victories. And remember, use that discount code podcast. I'll be back on... Later in the week with our new segment, Pop Friday, which is a rundown of things I've seen, read and enjoyed uh, in the last few days. It's uh, it's a new segment. It's a pretty loose segment. And uh, hopefully I'll have a guest, but if not, I'll have some thoughts for you. I'm seeing a little film called John Wick 4 tomorrow night, so keep your eyes peeled out for that. I reckon I'll have some thoughts. <laughs> I hear it's like 2 hours and 45 minutes, which seems too long for a John Wick movie, but also great. I'm up for it. Let's see what happens. In the spirit of Andrew's new show and how we were talking about horror, let's finish today with a quote from Wes Craven. Some people ask why people would go into a dark room to be scared. I say they are already scared, and they need to have that fear manipulated and massaged. I think of horror movies as the disturbed dreams of a society. Until then.